Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. We use it and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. You nailed that line, Kratzy. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. AJ, what else? With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. That's true. And ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we've been connecting with fans more with polls and instant feedback. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's do this. South Territory on a Thursday. And really like a Friday. I'm laughing at you right now. I'm sorry, Crash. You missed our whole conversation. I think. Just he's, bring it. Bring he's it on complaining the about. First of all, follow us. Uh, subscribe on YouTube because sub on YouTube and the it. podcast and all that. I'm I'm not scared to okay. say literally so, anything. John Schneider, uh, Blue Jays manager, joining us in just a few minutes here at the top. Former Kratzy teammate. Go ahead. But no, so he's complaining because you know Mr. Jersey Shore guy moved to Orlando and he's got the hair that you know yep. of a god, and he's complaining because when he moved here, he said Kratzy. I need a haircut, a haircut place. So I said, well, this is the place I go to. Good luck getting in. He's like, it's Orlando. Three weeks to get my haircut. What is happening? It's not New York. I don't get it. I'm like, just wait. Just go in it's there. It's ridiculous, see. though. I'm not, I'm not making an appointment a month out you to have go to. to get a haircut. You have to. Kratzy well, knows my pain. Kratzy doesn't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, Eric Kratz just took his hat off. And he's bald. <laughs> Should I start doing play-by-play if we do anything ridiculous video-wise? Because I have some people that are listening on car rides. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Then just watch it on YouTube later or something like that. Yeah, but then they can't see your glorious hair. I didn't need to comment. I didn't need to comment on what you guys are talking about. Because I have, like, stay in your lane. I, I, I will get out of my lane plenty. I do not need to get into that lane. You guys with your backwards hats. So That's why I don't have to comb my hair. Why? Because you wear your hat? Yeah. Yeah, but why don't you show off the hair sometimes on the show? Dude, look at look. this. No, it looks great. Ah, you know, actually, right now. my family texted me after one of the first few days, and they were like, they saw a picture of AJ, and they were like, AJ's got nice hair. Why does he wear a hat every day? I was like, I don't know. He's a backwards okay, hat catcher what, Tomorrow, thing. I won't wear a hat. Wow. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Well, you're going to send a video, like, drunk <laughs> on the beach, like Fraser did on, on Wednesday? 
with a red, white, and blue drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Miami Vice. Boozing, boozing. Hey, let's bring on John Schneider, Toronto Blue Jays manager, took over late in the season last year, former Eric Kratz teammate in the minors, rocking the backwards hat a little bit too. I love that. John, how you doing? Great to have you on. Doing well, thank you guys. Uh, yeah, been trying to get in touch with Kratzy for it feels like months now. So uh, finally getting back to you, buddy. Sorry, it's been forever. This is how I wanted to get back to you. We tried calling, but you're always in meetings. I'd rather FaceTime. I mean, let's just, if we're going to take time to look at glorious hair and just everything about this guy is quaffed and ready to go. Like <laughs> that hair is perfect. It's lined up. Do you get in the way of the other guys when the Dominican barber comes in to get that stuff lined up on your face? I'm usually first in line, yeah, when he's when he's in town. Um, but a lot of it is me, Kratzy. You know, during the year, a lot of it is just me. But you know, every every ten days or so, I get a, I get a nice little tune up. I love that. I I'm I'm sure you will. But the guy the guy's got the guy's got some burning questions for you. Okay, this is a very serious show. We're only talking about serious things. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a serious question before, before anybody comes on here, okay? You were my first roommate, okay? I've talked endlessly about your swag. We'll probably get into it. But the only thing I really care about, are you a better hitter? You have to choose one. Are you a better hitter or manager than our buddy Jace Tingler? Ooh, wow. Great question. Um, I would say I'm a better hitter than nobody. So <laughs> if I have to be a better manager than Ting, um, I'll take that. I haven't screwed anything up this spring so far, so that's a good thing. I uh, just saw Ting yesterday. Twins were in town, but I got to go manager just because I was that bad of a hitter. He raked. But, but that's my other question. That's my other question. You need to tell the boys, and then we'll get into the realness of it. What did you do in your last professional at bat? Great story. Okay. So I'm 28 years old playing in minor league spring training games down in St. Pete. We're playing the Rays or the Devil Rays at the time. Um, had the coaching opportunity offered to me about a week before from Dick Scott, our farm director. So <clears throat> told the manager at the time, if I go deep, um, you need to have a backup catcher ready. I'm, I'm done. So sure enough, second at bat, I go deep. Went into the dugout, literally took off my spikes and hung them up on the chain link fence of field <laughs> of field nine we were playing on, and then um, coach first the next inning. So for as bad as I was, ended it on a good note. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That's kind of a that's a good way to go out, John. I, so and like like Kratzy said, listen, this is all serious here. So I this is a serious question. Would you ever, please, and this is for me and Scott and I's sanity. Would you ever think about hiring Kratz to get him off the show so we don't have to deal with him on a daily basis? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for you guys, yeah, definitely. But if, if not for you, then, yeah, I think a guy like him with his experiences and how many years you play Kratz? Like 30? It was it was a lot. I think it was 19. We got to go to the ticker, though. It was 19. I remember you playing first base against us when you were at the Yanks during the pandemic. It was like, holy cow, where are we, where are we right now? <laughs> uh, it was, why no is Kratzy at first at a big league game and why are we playing in Buffalo? Yeah. Um yeah, I would hire Kratzy. I think I think that would work for everyone. Get him away from you guys and I'd love to bring him on for sure. 
What, what position? Bench coach? Like, we talking like bullpen coach? Bullpen catcher, maybe? Well, do you do uh, Mattingly Kratz? Mattingly Kratz. Yeah. Huff, it's like right there. You know, basically the same guy. <laughs> same level um, of Yankee. Same level of Yankee, Yankee you know, mystique. careers. Yeah, mystique. Yeah. Are you in the, Are you in Monument Park yet? Uh, well, all the guys in Monument Park didn't let me in Monument Park because my batting average as a Yankee is higher than all of them. So <laughs> I, it's just Schneider, you make me blush. I would I would start Kratzy in the pen, bullpen coach, with the uh, yeah with the as far away as possible. Pen. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I appreciate I, that. I will learn under your tutelage, just like I learned under your tutelage when we got drafted. You were the 13th rounder. I was, well, I like to say you were 13th overall and I was 29th right. overall. It's a right. lot easier that way. And look who's still around. Look who's still around in the game from that draft. You. You. Still, you. still tricking them. Still you tricking still. them. First and 15th. You got your, <laughs> you got your, you got your rag over your face. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to, Man, 2002, we get drafted. You were snoring next to me in the Red Roof Inn, and here I am all these <laughs> years later. You know, I'm, I'm after the big club. It's pretty cool. So cool. I'm proud of you, bud. Thanks, man. Hey, hey John, now that we're done, you know, with the Kratz memories, you know, and, and how he snored and all, you know, all, kumbaya, you know, kuna matata, whatever you want to say, what, what's your style managing? Obviously, you took over in the middle of last year for Montoya, got off, went to the playoffs, did a great job, like, are you, you, every every manager says, "Well, I'm a player's manager," but right. what, what's your style? Who taught you your ways? Like, what what's your thing? Every manager has to have a thing. What's your thing? I think my thing is, you know, I have relationships with a lot of the guys that date back to the minor leagues here: um, Bo, Vlad, Biggio, Jano, Romano, Meza. Um, my style is, you know, I I try to evolve around your personnel. You know, I like being aggressive and I like having fun. So, you know, baseball is too hard and the season's too long to not have fun. Um, but I think right now we're at the point where it's like, okay, what do we need to do to get better? And it's just being a little bit more attentive to detail. You know, we've had talent on paper the last couple of years and we've won a lot of games. And, you know, I think just getting us over the hump here is just being a little bit more attentive to detail, whether it's defense, you know, at bats, things like that. Um, just kind of an overall mentality. Uh, we brought in some guys that kind of live that, some veteran guys. But, you know, my style is to try to evolve around them. Um, but also just kind of being constantly on them about little things. John, take us through the off season. I mean, how involved are you on conversations? And then what did you think of what the Blue Jays did? Pretty involved. My kids were joking that, you know, my phone was always saying Ross Atkins calling. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's cool. So, you know, you're always offering your insights and kind of see how you want to round out the roster. Uh, I think what we did, the additions we made, really kind of fit that mentality of, of gamers. You know, we were, we were almost viewed, I think almost as like a, the fun team with the, you know, the dancing and the dugout and the home run jacket and things like that. So I think you'll see it be a little bit different. Um, guys like Dalton Barsho, who's just a gamer. Chris Bassett is a bulldog. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer just never stops running. It's um, it's been a cool mix of guys that were, that came in that were, you know, mixing together with guys that we already have. So, it's um, I love what we did, you know, run prevention was something that we were really trying to improve um, and not be so one dimensional as an offensive club. So um, getting Eric Swanson in at the back of the bullpen helps as well. So 
it's um, I, I was really happy with it, and I think our lineup is much more balanced. Um, I forgot Brandon Belt too. He's he's here. He's going to start playing soon. So I think just just you know the right left balance is better. Um, kind of the the personality of the team has changed for the better. You said about starting to play soon. How's how's Vladdy doing? Not not being able to you know. He's still playing some, right? If I'm if I'm correct, he's still playing a little bit. Is he pissed that he's not going to WBC? And did you need to be the one to break that to him? <laughs> he's pissed. Yeah, he's doing well. He's going to hit live BP tomorrow. He's running around, moving around really well. Um, he'll be back in there pretty soon, I I think. He actually brought it up to us, you know, for as much as he wanted to play and being a big part of that Dominican team. Um, I think him kind of he brought the conversation to us, saying, "Okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm healthy and worry about the Jays more so than." the DR. Um, so yeah, he was frustrated, but I think, you know, understands what's in front of him this year and how much of a, of a huge piece he is for us getting where we want to go. Um, so the conversation was great. He's doing, he's doing better every day. Um, so yeah, we were frustrated for him, but, um, we know he's doing the right thing. John, what did you think of Laddie's season last year? Of course he was still a star, um, but he wasn't as good numbers wise as the year before. Like when you talked to him, did he say, eh, I, I should be better? Yeah. I mean, I think whatever he hit two seventy-five with 30 something and about a hundred, he kind of looked at it like a down year and, you know, coming off of the monster year in 21, um, you know, I think he, he feels like he didn't live up to expectations, but Part of that is the league adjusting to him a little bit. And I think him, you know, adjusting back this year is going to be a big, a big part of it. Um, but yeah, he's been on a mission. I know it's easy to say, you know, it's like the best shape of your life spring training story, but he's, uh, he's been focused in a different way than I've ever seen him um, dating back to when I knew him as a teenager. So he's, uh, he's in a really good spot and he's looking to kind of expand on what he did in 2021 and, and hopefully be a little bit better. Maybe you need to throw a BP to him or, or the home run derby to him again and get him back <laughs> locked in. I know, right? It's He actually, he's been joking about it already in camp. He said, I'm doing it this year. I was like, great, no all-star break for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's, Selfish. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly, right? Um, yeah, I would love to do that again. I think he would hit 100 instead of 90, whatever he hit last time. So, so John, before we do these interviews every day, you, you Google the person you're, you're bringing on and, and you kind of get into their Wikipedia. The problem is when you Google John Schneider, the Dukes of Hazard guy comes up, right? So I'm no. like, wait a minute. This is the wrong John Schneider. Then I have to type in John Schneider baseball. So, you know, like when you check into a hotel, has anyone thought you were pulling up in the, in the General Lee or anything? I know, right? I've gotten that from like all the way back when I played where they got the Dukes of Hazard team playing when I'm coming to the plate. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to get a little bit more popular than Bo Duke. Um, hopefully, I can stick around long enough to be the first Google search rather than the rather than the actor or the or the Seahawks general manager. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that. Hey, John, if you went into the clubhouse right now and you said, "Raise your hand if you know what Dukes of Hazard is," to your entire oh, team of players, not one hand would go up. Correct? No, none. Zippo. I mean, so, like, come on, no, somebody would know. No. no. Kevin Gosman doesn't know what the Dukes of Hazard is? Gauzy, maybe, or uh, Brandon Belt or Bassett. They're, they'd be yeah. all over it. But, Dude, but Brandon Belt. Okay, guys. so two out of 40 in the clubhouse right now? Maybe three. Maybe three. Maybe three. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the funny things. So Schneider led the league. We didn't play a ton because he was always just like a step above me. And then we would like shift. He would go to AAA. I'd go to AA. I'd go to high A. He'd go to AA. That was... You know, so we got to play together, but I'd always hear 
Nobody led the leagues that he played in more with visiting team walk-up music than John Schneider. John <laughs> Schneider would come and you would just hear, is the good old boys. And he was just like, uh, whatever. Yeah. He dragged that he dragged that 271 to the plate, kick it up, throw it on his shoulder, <laughs> strike out on three pitches. Give the ladies yeah. what they want and give the boys a homer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one out of every 35 at bats. Hey, I saw some deep flies. You spent some time on the Phantom DL. Don't don't no doubt. don't get it tricked. You're no you're a grinder. At some point, people are going to know on this show what a real grinder is. And you were and still are a grinder. You're always part of the grinder club. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Those backup minor league catchers, I think, kind of have to be grinders where you're catching the 1030 school game and uh, and wearing it over four. You kind of get used to it. Hey, John, I got one more for you about the the young sizzling Blue Jays um, that you've managed in the minor leagues and now up in the bigs. Boba Shett took off. And it's been months now, so I feel like people need to be reminded. Maybe best player in baseball in the month of September was Boba Shett. So I'd like to give you at least some credit for that. I know you made some lineup tweaks, too. So what did you think of Bo then? Can we see that for a full season? Where is he looking in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, that was like the best version of Bo that I've ever seen that month of September. It was pretty ridiculous. But I think um, where he is now, he's wanting to build off of that. And he that's that's what he can do. And I think him learning to just be consistent with it. Um, his approach has kind of evolved a little bit. Free swinger the first couple of years, you know, he's still very aggressive. But I think understanding how teams are going to pitch him and putting himself into pretty good counts. So, that's kind of where he landed last year. We're hoping he just picks up where he left off. Um, right now, everything he's doing looks great. Uh, but lineup stuff, you know, it's with this lineup, I mean, you can really do it a lot of different ways, you know, with George at the top. And you could do Bo 2, Vlad 3. You could do Vlad 2, Belt 3, Bo 4. Um, you know, I, he's comfortable in the two-hole. Um, I like him there as long as he's, you know, working at bats and things like that. But you want him up late in the game. You know, there's there's that hit factor, not just an on-base factor. He, you're facing those leverage dudes in the pen late. You know, Bo's going to put together in a bat um, like not many other guys can. So he's uh, he's in a great spot. And it really just, if he could do a little bit of what he did in September, it's huge for us. That's awesome. You, uh, as, as your future bullpen coach, which if you offer me a bullpen job, I'm not doing it because I'm not standing out there. Although you guys have a new bullpen out in Toronto. I forgot about that. Nice. But nice. my first piece of advice is when you go on a show, don't have your depth chart over your right shoulder so we know who's making the team and who's not. Not the depth chart. That is everyone in camp. And it lines up. It lines up over There's here. There's kids. It lines up with lineups for the week. There's. Look at Not you. There are no secrets being revealed right now. Your show. Your show. But some minor league kid is zooming in on that. They're pausing it and they're zooming in to try to figure out if they got a shot at going to Double A. No, I want to talk about. I want to talk about Grayson and Gunner. What do they think of their big league dad? Do they get it? Do they? You know, does Jesse bring them up, or are they living in? The six, you know, what's what's that like? It's awesome. Thank you for bringing them up. They're um, they're six and four. Gunner, the six year old, thinks that he's part of the team. Um, basically, you know, just is in there all the time. Uh, Grayson is kind of along for the ride right now. But they they come up in the summertime when school is done. Uh, they stay up there for a couple of months with Jesse, and 
um it's really cool you know it hasn't really hit me yet that this you know the, the every day in the clubhouse the big leagues is kind of their norm um which is something that i'm trying to really take advantage of too but they uh you know they got all the gear they got blue jays you know hats lizard skins helmets you know all the all the stuff um and it's cool for them to walk in and kind of give a fist bump to george vlad Bo. um the guys are great with them they love it so it's it's cool having them around they kind of keep me uh they keep me grounded and they get me uh they get me you know off the ledge sometimes on some rough games so it's really cool that they're there they've got show names too actually two of the biggest prospects in baseball Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, yeah. both on the Orioles, right. so they'll probably like the Jays-Orioles games. <laughs> I know, do they, yeah. <laughs> do they think Dad's a hero? Um, I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking about what you did, what was it, a couple weeks ago, saving a woman in a restaurant from choking. You know the Heimlich? Apparently, I know the Heimlich. I mean, it was like the weirdest thing. We're having sitting there having lunch, just me and Jess, and this lady's choking, and no one's doing anything, so I kind of wander over. I'm like, hey, can I help? They're like, yeah, please do. And... Um, did what I kind of remembered I learned in school way back when. And it wasn't that eventful. It wasn't like, the, you know, it was a piece of shrimp. It wasn't like it flew out of her mouth, but um, definitely helped. Um, and I was probably more rattled than the lady was. I was like, what the hell? What, what just happened? Um, but yeah, they think, I don't know, they, they think I'm a better manager than I am, you know, paramedic right now. Um, <laughs> but that, was, that was weird. Right place, right time. Glad I could help out. I got a, and I got a, a beer on the house. So, uh, Made it a little bit better. I, I knew I knew you were life saving because a lot in the minor leagues. You know, I got I'm a reveal it quick. I'm wearing a double day hat just for you. I was going to ask what that was. I saw the minor yeah, yeah, league yeah. logo. You went it's Dennis a double Holmberg, hat double anyway. But during those times, you know, you were a single guy. I saw you doing a lot of mouth to mouth. So I know that you're a big. Oh, oh my Christ. god! You're Stop. a big. <laughs> oh, for the Christ. jugular, I love it. Hey man, oh, I was twenty something. You know what I mean? I was 20 I thought I was cool getting paid to play baseball. You were cool. Wow. <laughs> Kratzy, I thought it was like, like you said, for his walk-up, the, the song plays, throws the bat over his shoulder. Let, let me save this person here. Excuse me, everyone step aside. I know the Heimlich. <laughs> he definitely sauntered over there. He definitely didn't get any shrimp on the J's that he was wearing because I know he wasn't going out to dinner with his wife, without some J's on, or maybe yeah. like some like old circa 2010 Cole Hans. No, they <laughs> they were definitely they were definitely Jordans. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying my best. If you know anyone at Jordan, to yes. get me some kind of deal. So if you yes. guys can pass the word, big fan of the Jordan. AJ's our guy. He knows everybody. If they live, if Michael Jordan <laughs> lives in Orlando, he's our guy. He lives All in right, Jupiter. Perfect. I I. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name drop. But he do it. You do it. You've been, is, you've played at, Yeah, you've played at his course. No, I'm might be a member there. Might be a member. Okay, John. Okay. Jordan's saying. in the mail. Jordan's in just the mail. Saying. Size 13. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> size black. <laughs> uh, so, John. First, well, I, I, two two things, and I'm done. Uh, one about your kids, Gunner and and Grayson. I, my son. I was fortunate enough to play long enough to where my son and daughter were old enough. I knew it was time for my daughter to go out when she would come out and tell my wife that, hey, the, the boys are naked. And then my wife's like, okay, no more. She realized that. <laughs> but then my son, when I was with the Braves at the end of my career, we had like Freddie Freeman, Jeff Francoeur. And he'd go in and he'd take, he'd shag the whole time. He'd come in, he'd have to take a shower to go watch the game. And they'd be like, oh, show shower, show shower. And he would get so <laughs> embarrassed. And he'd walk, you know, he'd walk, he'd have a towel wrapped around him. He'd come walking through. 
And the boys would just wear them out. And they're like, look at your hair, like Scotty Braun, show hair. Now you got to go take your show shower. <laughs> Have your kids gotten to that point yet where they're like, the, the boys can tease them? Um, yeah, Gunner especially, you know, there was, there may or may not have been a post-game celebration last year when Gun Show was going, no shirt, running through the clubhouse, <laughs> holding a flag, um, may or may not have happened, but he's, yeah, he's getting to that point to where he thinks that it's, it's all fun and games and, you know, let me throw in five pieces of gum and look like a big leaguer and let me, you know, let me go out in the field and play catch and things like that. He's He's getting there. Um, I gotta, I gotta keep him, keep him humble every now and then, though. So, John, when when you and then you have Don Mattingly right on your staff, and he was probably one of my favorites growing up for sure because I was too, kind of yeah. in that sweet spot, right? And what's it like having him around? Did, were you like in the interview process, and you're sitting across the table, and you're like, "Man, I've got Don Mattingly sitting across from me. How in the world am I going to ask him a question about baseball that that, that I know that he doesn't?" Yeah, it was cool. It was I, I grew up watching him being from New Jersey and kind of being a Yankee fan. And, you know, I still give him give him some crap about that. But it was an, a really unique opportunity to where we had a chance to, you know, get to know each other. Um, he wanted to kind of do this role more. So he wanted to kind of step back from managing. And, you know, initially some people were like, hey, you sure you want to bring this dude in? You know, 12 years manager your first year. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not that way at all. Um, he told me if I got fired after opening day, he wouldn't want the interim job. So it's to have that experience, you know, those experiences, that skill set. Um, I think I was our players kind of needed that, you know, um, as much as he helped me and the staff. He's a great sounding board for the players when you're talking about hitting or game situations. He's been great with Vladdy at first base, um, kind of teaching them some ins and outs. So really unique opportunity and as we got talking it was kind of just we sh we were very similar in our thoughts about you know lineup construction player deployment game strategy um, I pick his brain on things he picks my brain on things which sounds funny but I think it's a pretty good yin and yang with you know my style and what his background is and um, really looking forward to having him on one side Pete Walker on the other um, those conversations in game are gonna be fun Schneids we're gonna let you go bud I'm going to end this. Obviously, we've been joking a lot. I couldn't be more proud of you, bud. Like, seriously, like, to see you grind through the minor leagues, like, we didn't even really get into it. I hope we get into it more. But I am so proud of you. The only thing I need from you is to switch that TV in the back to some <laughs> FT Live when the boys are on, okay, every day, Monday to Friday, 11 to 1 Eastern time. We are international. We'll go on like it's YouTube.ca maybe. I don't know what it is in Canada. It's, it's $3.99 internationally. And it's free. <laughs> Subscribe. And tell the boys in the locker room they can come on anytime they want. Yuck <laughs> it up with the fellas. Perfect. But we're definitely going to have you back on. Best of luck. I love watching you out there grinding it out in the East. Thank you, Kratzy. I appreciate it. It's um, I feel very. This sounds corny. I feel very fortunate to have this opportunity with, you know, 22 years with one organization. But I appreciate you saying it, man. Um, love what you've done in your career and and AJ too. And um, you know, I'm sure you guys are gonna kill it on this show too. So thank you very much, man. It means a lot. Thanks, Schneids. This was awesome. Really great for people to get to know you like this too, um, internationally. Appreciate you, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Awesome. Kratz, good call on the TV behind him because at one point there was an interview uh, underwear commercial behind him, and I thought it was Scott Braun like walking through. <laughs> he was like walking through with his AJ underwear. AJ was like, wait, I was like, what? wait a minute, that's Scott? Wait, he's still next to me. Like, hey, 
here we go. You can see, you can, you you probably get to see that. Scotty's got this whole pre pre show ritual where you oh, know I don't know I if do. he's got you know he's probably got what are what are those nice underwear called? Sacks S A X X. I've got pair of thieves, which I love. You pair, heard of of pair of thieves? No. Yeah. Need them. Got to be a sponsor soon. Two under. It's what? Two under. You ever heard of two under? Two under. under? That sounds like golf underwear. Is it? They have the Joey pouch. Is it? Really? Yeah. Is it for your golf ball? <laughs> Plural. Hey, seriously though, that was awesome. Um, I've done a lot of Blue Jays games in the past, and I really enjoyed Charlie Montoya. He was like banging the drums always. You go in his office, like all very different kind of personalities. John Gibbons, who, who's an absolute character um, in his own right, and then. Another guy coming in here, and John Schneider, who, I mean, if he's friends with Kratzy, sign me up. But to get to know him like that, Kratzy, was really cool. I haven't had a conversation with him yet. Super down to earth, very smart. Like you said, you know, you use the term a lot, and it's true, grinder. Like hustles, he'll be the first guy in there. He'll make sure everyone's comfortable, put him in the best spot. Like that is exactly what you want. And I will say this, that's why sometimes the – the manager that works best with a ball club might be the guy who was grinding in the minor leagues for a while, you know, or, or the manager who did that, right? Like Brian Snicker comes to mind. Um, so I think we lost Kratzy. So I, you well, can ask him all the questions look you how, want. Look He's going to give us his best response. Look how serious he is. But anyway, um, that was really cool. Enjoyed doing that. That was great. He was, I've never talked to him before. So to, to, to hear him and, and the way he goes about it, it's always fun to talk to managers and see their style. And every manager has a different little, something yeah you know and, and and to hear what he said and to hear his his response and then also to have him talk about the guys like that like he's talking about don mattingly right who was one of the best players in the 80s and, and early 90s to have him and be open about hey i'll bring you in yeah sure and then donnie baseball to say i don't want to be the interim if something happens i don't want to be the manager like, yeah that's awesome that is awesome and i wanted to ask him we didn't have time Don Mattingly teaching, uh, you know, guys of Vlad to play first. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, he played third in the big leagues, left-handed. So I would have maybe he's teaching someone to play third because Don Mattingly played third base in a game. In a lot of games, I don't know if in a lot of, but he played. There's video of him playing third base, left-handed, and making a play like a slow roller. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't doubt Don Mattingly in this prime can handle it. You know, that's cool though. Um, Kratzy will be back with us soon. So instead of Kratzy, we got a pretty nice replacement. Oh, we do? Wins above replacement. Ken Rosenthal. Oh. It's a good replacement. Joining us right now, live. And I think Kratzy's back, too. Kratzy, you good? Let's this go. This is so good. Let's this go. This is so good. Ken, we're all over the place. We, we start off, we go right to John Schneider, who actually gave us a little bit of news, by the way. So, um, first off, where are you? And then I'll, I'll deliver some news to you, Ken. Actually, I'll tell you now. Vladdy Jr. already committed to the um, home run derby. John Schneider was talking about how he's thrown to him, and he was like, he already told me, Yo, we're doing this again. I'm, I'm hitting 100 homers this time. I heard that, and I heard he was not happy about missing his all-star break. But, Scott, <laughs> I am actually in the house that A.J. built. This is the Arizona house that he built, Camelback Ranch, home of the White Sox and Dodgers. Of course, the house that he built, I don't even know what the park is called anymore in Chicago, but that's the big one. <laughs> hey, Ken, uh, the ranch. We used to call that place the ranch, right, because it ranch. was a ranch. It literally is a ranch. And the seats are like yellow, so no one could ever see our infielders would be out there and the balls would be going by them. And the seats are yellow, so it matched the color of the balls. And Paul Canerico, the ball would go, whew. He'd be like, I never saw it. Sorry. So 
uh, hopefully they change that at one point. But uh, Ken, welcome to the the dark side, the White Sox, and uh, go Sox. Actually, AJ, I'm not here to see the Sox. I'm here Damn to you. see team, team Columbia because they are, of course, one of the teams in Team USA's pool in the WBC. And we're going to be doing all the games on Fox, so I have to kind of learn what's going on with Columbia. They're managed by Holbert Cabrera. Two of their coaches are Orlando Cabrera and Edgar Renteria. Now, as for their team, they'd be a lot more interesting if Jose Quintana could play, but they do have Gio Urshela, a couple of other guys you might have heard of as well. Hey, Ken, you wrote about Team USA, a couple articles thrown out there in the last 24 hours. Let's go there first. So what were your observations, including a big uh, team speech from DeRosa and Goldschmidt? Well, just to see these guys together on the field is amazing. And the first day we're at the workout and here come Trout, Goldschmidt and Mookie walking side by side, three MVPs. So that alone to me is really intriguing. And when fans say I'm not into the WBC, I always say the same thing. Watch the games. The games are great. And if you've seen any of the ones overseas so far, they've been really interesting. And it's just a lot of fun, the event. Now, as for that speech you mentioned, DeRosa is managing for the first time in his life. He's never coached in the majors, minors. Well, he has a 13 and under team in Atlanta, but I don't think that really counts. So this was a big moment for him the other day, having to address the team, this team of great players. And he spoke for about 15 minutes. And then, and this kind of surprised me because this player is known as one of the most stoic players in the game, Paul Goldschmidt. He asked to speak. And he wanted to speak because he wanted to talk to the players about what this experience was like. He was there in 2017 when Team USA won the championship. Him and Arenado were the only two members of that team that are on the current team. So Goldschmidt basically relayed what Adam Jones said to the team at that time. And Adam addressed the team and said, guys, this is not a joke. This is equivalent to a playoff game, a playoff series. And we have to come and bring it from the very first pitch, really. And that is exactly how this works. And it's going to be really interesting. And the USA-Mexico game on Sunday is a sellout here in Phoenix. Sold out. So that atmosphere is going to be electric. The games in Miami with the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico in the same group, they're going to be amazing too. And then, of course, the teams that advance go to Miami for the quarters, the semis, the championship game. Ken, you mentioned DeRosa as the manager's first time managing other than obviously his 13U team. What's the pressure on DeRosa? He's mentioned before, if you talk to him, that he'd like to be a big league manager. Is there pressure on him to get this done? Say the U.S., I mean, I think they're going to get out of the pool, but let's say they lose in the quarterfinals. Will there be some kickback on him for not being able to handle this team? And will it affect if he ever does become a big league manager? AJ, I guess the answer to that is, it depends on how the games are played out. If they are played out with the managers stumbling all over the place and blowing pitching changes and whatever else might happen, yeah, I guess you could say, well, he wasn't the right guy. But I have a hard time believing that's going to happen. He does have Jerry Manuel as his bench coach, Dino Ebel as a third base coach, but a guy who's going to be with him closely as well. Andy Pettit's the pitching coach, and DeRosa is raving about him, the work he's put in. They also have an analytics person from the Dodgers who is helping along. Now, he's not going to be managing the games, of course, but he has some support. And he's got two of his best friends on the staff as well, Brian McCann and Michael Young. 
as well as Ken Griffey Jr. as the hitting coach. So I guess, AJ, you could always say there's pressure, but it's not the same kind of pressure as, say, Rodney Norris faces as the Dominican manager, where the whole country is just waiting for this event to happen. Our country is probably the least interested of all of these countries that are participating in the event. And while that interest is growing, and I think will continue to grow, that kind of intensity that you might see, say, on a World Cup coach in the greatest soccer tournament in the world, I don't think that exists for him. Now, the real question for me is, will he succeed? Will he enjoy it? And will this propel him on to possibly a major league job? Will he want a major league job after doing this? He's talked about it a lot, and he's talked about that idea, but... He also has a really good job with MLB Network, and I'm not so sure that he'd want to leave it and face the pressure that all major, major league managers face. Hey, Ken, tell me about the pitching that he's dealing with. And it's a big topic lately because the USA roster lineup-wise, you're like, yep, that's what it should look like. Pitching-wise, it's no knock against the pitchers that are on the roster. They're good, but it's not the biggest names in the sport. We spoke to Corbin Burns a little bit about it on yesterday's show. And, and my whole theory, which is proven true with basically any pitcher I've talked to, is you've got the young stud pitchers pre-contract. And we know that for most pitchers, like there's just a higher injury risk. So especially ramping up spring training, you don't want to look back and be like, damn, as much as I loved pitching in the World Baseball Classic, that messed with my arm pre-big contract. Because players get, they're under team control. They don't get really rich, especially if you're a pitcher, right? Until you hit free agency a lot of the time. On the other end, if I'm like the Mets, say, and I'm signing Verlander and Scherzer in their late 30s, I'm like, guys, no. $45 million, no. So is that the problem here? That certainly is the problem. Pitching is always more problematic for the U.S. in particular, putting together its WBC roster than it would be maybe for another country where the players are more into it. But at the same time, the major league teams do have say here. And as you mentioned, Scott, they're going to influence – who is allowed to go and who is not. Now, we're going to see Julio Urias pitch for Mexico. He is not only the Dodgers' ace, a Cy Young contender every year lately, but also a potential free agent at the end of the season, and he's doing it. So the U.S. rotation is not ideally what we would want to see. It's not Garrett Cole and Max Fried and Corbin Burns, et cetera, et cetera. Adam Wainwright is going to pitch the opener. Lance Lynn is on the staff. Miles Michaelis, Brady Singer from the Royals. I'm told he's going to play a prominent role. And there are others as well. Merrill Kelly is a candidate for the rotation. Nick Martinez from the Padres, they're high on him. But are these the absolute best U.S. pitchers? No, they're not. We all know that. At the same time, I'll say this, guys. In 2017, the United States won this tournament, and the rotation was not all that impressive then. Marcus Stroman was basically the main guy. He's now pitching for Puerto Rico. Danny Duffy was in there, Chris Archer, a few others. I believe Tanner Roark was part of that rotation as well. So we had the same questions going in, and they won that tournament. Now it's going to be a greater challenge in this case because some of the other teams are quite strong. And I look at the Dominican Republic, topped by Sandy Alcantara and Christian Javier, the National League Cy Young winner and the World Series hero for the Astros. That's going to be difficult. So We'll see how it plays out. But yes, starting pitching is definitely the question, Scott. And for all the reasons you mentioned, it is problematic when you try to put a roster together for this event. How is, you're, you're, you're a writer 
first, but I think before that, you're a fan. How do we get American fans to act like Cuba, Dominican, Panama, you know, J- Japanese fans? Like, what, what, is, what are we missing? What are we not encouraging people to do that, that they could be doing? Because I hear a lot of, like, negative about how, you know, they're, they're, they're blowing the horn and that's so annoying. And I think it's the exact opposite. <laughs> I think it is awesome when they do that. And I know you're no JP Morosi, but I know you love the game of baseball. And would you love to see that kind of excitement at a Phillies game in the middle of July? I would like to see that, of course. But at the same time, each culture is different. Fan bases are different. It's just different over here. And I have no problem with that. Fans are passionate in their own ways. I certainly would not ever suggest fans of our country are not passionate about their favorite teams. They certainly are. The greater question to me, Eric, is will fans get more passionate about this event? And it's not so much getting behind the U.S., although that's part of it, of course, but it's just if you're a baseball fan and you can't enjoy this, I sort of don't get it. And I know you're worried maybe about your team's players getting hurt. Fair enough. But this is fun. This is kind of what we all live for, to watch the best players play. And would you rather watch – Team USA versus Team Mexico on Sunday night before a packed house in Phoenix. Or would you rather watch, I don't know, Pirates Rays exhibition from the Grapefruit League, just to name two teams. Forget the Pirates and Rays. Let's get two better teams. Yankees, Blue Jays. I'd rather watch any WBC game than that. So that, to me, is the real question. And you can't force people to like things. You can't impose your will or taste on them. But... Again, I just encourage people to watch these games and enjoy them for what they are. I, I mean, to me, watching the U.S. lineup, watching the Dominican lineup, watching in the Japanese rotation, all of these different stars that we're going to see, it's going to be really cool. So, Ken, three – well, two quick things. One, how in the heck is Marcus Stroman pitching for Puerto Rico? Don't answer. I just – we'll get the – Scott's going to tell me afterwards. It's a family thing. It's but a, Yeah, I understand that. Mom, but he pitched for USA. He can't play for him. both. He's his like – he's a traitor now. <laughs> right? He's a traitor. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But kind of. Uh, he already then, won with USA. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So yeah, go back and so do it So he wants again. to represent another yeah. country that he, he links okay. with. Right, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into, into that. it later. But, <laughs> and then second, the atmospheres in these WBC games have been great. And then third, Ken, I'm sorry – but uh, we got breaking news from Brian Hoke. Yep. Brian Nailed Hoke, it. Carlos Rondon starting on the aisle. With Can the you say his name right? Carlos Rondon. Rondon. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, my bad. Well, I was confused with the Brian Hoke. So Carlos Rondon on the IL to start the season. How big of a blow is this for the Yankees? Well, it depends on how that elbow is. Brian Cashman just announced this to reporters minutes ago. And they've got Montas on the IL already. Tommy Canely's going to start on the IL. These are a little bit ominous for, for the Yankees, no question. But Rodon, hey, if it's just a situation where it's a slight thing and they're going to shut him down for seven to ten days, which is what they announced, and then he comes back fine, okay. But is this a concern? At the start of a six-year, $162 million contract, I would say it's a concern, yes. Yeah, and, and Hook uh, just tweeted, Cashman said Rodon's forearm strain is characterized as mild. It is an issue he pitched through last May. Cashman said, 
the UCL is not a concern. Okay. So at least on uh, in the beginning here, although I will say in a totally different case, but you know, you take it with a grain of salt. And so you actually see him go back out there again. I mean, they were talking a lot about Montas. Oh, he's okay. And I mean, he really hasn't pitched for them, but different, different case. Anyway, I do want to get to what you threw out there this morning too, about Aaron judge, more insight on the pursuit of the big home run champ by the San Diego Padres. You actually got the number nailed down from the offseason, and he actually turned down a lot more money to stay with New York. So the hometown discount is real. Right. I mean, I don't know at $40 million a year if you could ever stay at that big a discount, but my understanding is that he was offered in the range of $415 million over at least 12 years. I don't have it actually pinned down, but that's the range. That's the ballpark. Now, it had been reported that the Padres were over 400. This is a little bit more specific than that. But what happened was the Padres were almost $100 million over the Yankees. The Yankees were 320 over eight, $40 million a year for eight years. And Hal Steinbrenner had had a conversation with Judge the night before he met with San Diego. This was all going on during the winter meetings. And for whatever reason, Hal Steinbrenner came away from that conversation, he was not comfortable. He was uneasy with what was going on. So he texted Judge again the next night, and he was in Italy at the time, Hal Steinbrenner. And I would encourage people to read the article because there was a lot going on here. Judge flies from Tampa to meet with the Padres, and then on the same night, he flies home to Northern California because he's going to Hawaii the next day to celebrate his one-year anniversary with his wife, Samantha. So all this travel was going on in the middle of his biggest decision. So he eventually talked to Hal Steinbrenner at about 3 a.m. Pacific time. I don't know what time it was in Milan, Italy at that moment. And at that point, Aaron Judge said, and he told me for this article, I laid my cards out for him. I told him what was going on. And at that point, Hal Steinbrenner said, okay, we'll go to the ninth year. That was what the holdup was. Nine years, 360, Judge was happy. He wanted to be in New York, and he stayed there. That's really cool. And also just awesome that the Padres were legitimately going after him, Trey Turner, that number you put up there in the article about 342 mil. So, I mean, how do you think Padres fans feel about this whole situation? Obviously, they could be somewhat bummed that they didn't get him, but overall, you're like, What's not to like? My team's going after every major star that hits free agency. And as a nice consolation prize, we had one, we got one of the most consistent players in the game in Xander Bogarts. Right, Scott. And what happened with the Padres at the winter meetings was they tried for Turner. Turner goes to the Phillies. They immediately pivot to Judge. Judge goes back to the Yankees. They immediately pivot to Bogarts. And boom, they get that done. 11 years, $280 million. If you're a Padres fan... You have to love the aggressiveness. There's no question about that. And this was just part of it. And you might say, well, Judge, that really wasn't a huge need for them. I mean, everybody needs Aaron Judge. But you know what I'm saying? At the same time, they felt, here's one of the special players in the game. Let's go and take a shot. What do we have to lose? And they knew it was a long shot. They knew, like the Giants knew, that Judge and the Yankees were something that was going to always be there and judge is going to be pulled by the Yankees to go back. But at the same time they tried and when they didn't get him, they got somebody else. So Ken, the impressive thing I read your article this morning and it was talking about judge and his relationship with his agents that he formed back when he was in high school. Right. So then that carried over to him being loyal to the Yankees. 
that's a good thing, right? For a guy to say, hey, yes, there's more money, especially in a town like New York where they the fans are, are the Yankee fans that we all know. But like, t- talk me. I get. I don't know if you asked him about this, but is how loyal is Aaron Judge? I mean, what a good dude, and what a good spot for him to say, man, I'm not leaving my because he was approached by you said other agencies. He wouldn't tell you who, but like, good on Aaron Judge, right, for sticking with his team, taking less money, and sticking with the guys that got him there. Well, AJ, let me give you the backstory to this because I heard last summer that other agencies were trying to get Aaron Judge, and you know this is a former player. This goes on all the time recruitment, all kinds of things going on to try to persuade players to leave their agents for your agency, et cetera. I heard about it. I thought about asking him then, but it's the middle of the season. And I thought if I wrote about it then, it would be perceived as me trying to curry favor with his agents for saying he's loyal to them. And who knows, for all I knew, he might leave anyway, right? So. I just kept it in the back of my mind. He hits the 62 home runs. He has the amazing season. Then he has this wild free agency. Now, I knew that last night was wild because I was up very, very late trying to nail down the Padres meeting. I, like everybody else, was quite surprised that he signed with the Yankees right then because he had just met with the Padres. So as to the loyalty question, the whole thing just stuck with me. And I told the agents I wanted to write about this, and I told Aaron I wanted to write about it. And they were fine, obviously, because they cooperated for the story. But it is interesting because his agency, PSI Sports Management, is not one of the giant agencies in baseball. It's a smaller one. They represent about 100 professional players. And he has stuck with them. He actually met his agent right before he started at Fresno State. There are two guys who are heavily involved. Paige Odell is one. He met him first before his freshman year, and then he met the other one. Dave Matranga, a former major leaguer, he had a cup of coffee. He met him at the end of his freshman year at the WAC tournament in Mesa, Arizona. So at the same time, he stuck with these guys. He stayed loyal to these guys. And in my view, it is commendable in this day and age because you do see players jump around from time to time. I I don't give my opinion in this article about whether it's commendable or not. I just wanted to portray what happened and portray that relationship because it is not totally unique. Mike Trout's agency is smaller. Lindor's agency is smaller, but it does show you something aside of Aaron Judge that maybe we didn't know much about that aspect of his character, his personality, that he stayed loyal to these guys who were with him, as he said, not just through college, but when he's hitting 250 in high A, sitting in Tampa and things aren't so great and he's not such a sure thing. And in his mind, those are the guys in the trenches with me, the guys grinding with me, and I'm going to stay with them. I love that. I love the business of baseball like that, talking about you know the agent reps. And also, there are some smaller agencies in baseball that do an incredible job that, with some superstar players. So that stands out to me. I really like that insight. we got to finish with this, Kenny. So AJ has been getting this theme down with certain writers going, Oh, who do you root for as a writer yeah. or as a reporter? He like, for the Orioles. You love your beat. You either love your team growing up. He's done this with like three writers this week. Which team do you like growing up? Oh, that's your team. And then also you want the team you cover to go 162 and O. And I'm like, it's total bullshit. Um, and I can, I'm, that's why though we do, Ken, Ken's this, is, though, not, so he doesn't this care. is not a players only show though. <laughs> this is just a show with full authenticity. So 
I like to represent the broadcaster side. I completely dunked on him after, after he, t- he talked about it yesterday and said, I don't give a shit when I'm doing a game who wins the game. And I mean that with all due respect. I want an awesome game, cool storylines, the whole deal. And my family and I grew up Mets fans, and it, it, it does not play out at all. And I can honestly, purely say that. Can you help me dunk on AJ? I'll try to be nice. <laughs> don't don't start now, Ken. Like, don't start now. No, no, no. Like everybody else in the world, we root for ourselves. So what do we want? Fast games, which we're now going to get. But more than anything, we want interesting stories. We want compelling things to write about. And I don't know of any writer who actually cares whether his team or her team is a champion or a mediocre team or a losing team. Now, actually, the worst kind of team to cover in many ways is the team that goes 80 and 82. It's kind of in the middle. It's not as compelling. A team that crashes, a high salary team that goes south, that's an interesting team to cover. A championship team, of course, is interesting to cover. A team that goes on a big run, makes the playoffs, anything like that. That's very interesting. But frankly, for me, even the 80 and 82 team, now I don't do this on a team basis anymore. I obviously do cover it national, but every team is interesting to me. And what we're looking at every year are 30 reality shows playing out of our 162 games. And they're all interesting. But honestly, AJ, you can stop asking writers who they root for. It's totally irrelevant. Once you do this for a living, it's your job. And you've got a whole different set of responsibilities and your passion for a single team, it pretty much goes away. Full crap. Why are you shaking your head? He's full, what don't he's you full understand? Crap. You're no, full of crap. He's th- full of crap. That's ignorant ball player talk. Oh, they want I'm me to win media. every game. But I'm saying, like, you're thinking about that. You're like, not okay, in the I'm, media. <laughs> tell him, Ken. Tell you're him. in the media, but you're not a journalist. Like that. I, can't, I can't be in or not. I, I'm either in or I'm out, and I'm in, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I have a credential that says broadcaster. You know this. You know this. Oh, I don't. Well, now, listen. I, I Here's, here's the, here, Ken. We've done games together, and. And, and so here's the thing. When I'm doing a game, I don't root for a team. 100%. I also Whoa. only do – but I also do like one game of a team maybe per season. So I don't – but if I was there every – like I want as a fan, I want my guys, my reporters, I want my <laughs> play-by-play guy, I want my analyst to be like, yes, go team. Like, hell yeah, we won. We walked him off. Or, damn, I'm mad we lost. Says like, the man who played when Hawk Harrelson was his exactly. Yes, that's a great, great point. <laughs> AJ, I understand what you're saying, but it is different. When it's your job, it's different. And I get it. I grew up rooting for the Mets now, and I, I've forgotten that I even rooted for them as a kid. It, it's just, it doesn't even register. And I think you know that from dealing with writers, what they're looking for and what they're trying to do on a daily basis. It just doesn't come in like, let's say a guy was covering your team, your great White Sox team. I don't know that it mattered to them. It's interesting to cover, much more interesting when you go to the World Series like you guys did in 05. But if you lost 110, that would be interesting too. And that's your job and you got to cover it either way. Yeah, the White Sox season this past year had had plenty of drama, and it was a team that should have exactly. been way better than it was. Now we're to, banging on the that, White. See, no, now that would have been a fun team to cover. And we are we are human beings. Like uh, you know, if, if you're on a beat and the team wins a World Series and you're covering them, you're happy for them as a human, but that doesn't mean you're rooting for them. So okay. I love I love this. All right. I do. I will say this. I I like 
rooting, not rooting, but yeah, I'll say this. I root for individual players. I want certain guys to do well. Maybe a guy who's had a hard time coming off an injury and I, I know him for a while. I mean, of course, you're a human being. But as far as the team rah-rah thing, that's not happening. Mm-mm. I can't wait. Till I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about everybody. It's not mm-hmm. happening. I can't wait for this afterwards. I'm going to get on Twitter and say, Ken Rosenthal admits he's a Mets fan. And I'm going to put that all over Twitter and just see what ha- like just see what happens on Twitter. Like that would be the Ken Rosenthal is you a know Mets what? fan. And Mets fans would say, boy, that's a that's news to us. That guy crushes us all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the Mets had a lot to write about. I mean, they still do, but in the, always the Mets have had plenty of drama. So Ken, enjoy WBC. We'll talk to you next week. This was awesome. Thanks, guys. There you go. Another. I had some help. Oh, he, he, well, you guys. Right. Okay. I, I, so again, Kratz, you, you, again, you work for the Phillies, right? So you, again, we, we had this conversation. Team broadcaster, different from team writer. Okay. National broadcaster or writer like Rosenthal, different than everyday yeah, in but the clubhouse covering teams. He, he covered the Orioles for years. Yeah, but he was a Mets fan. He, it goes away. I'm telling you, okay. it goes away. I take your word for it because it's, it's it like it's, it's, I, I tell you what I root for wait. when I do a game. I root for a quick game. No, I understand that because I don't really care who wins. I just <laughs> want it over with. Like I want a, a close game. Yeah, you want a right? good game and a yeah good yeah, game. You don't want to drag it out. About. Yeah, boring. Yeah, but I want it over, two. especially with the new pitch clock. I'm thinking we can get games in like two fifteen. <laughs> yeah, you might be getting yeah you might be getting the flight home post game after a night yeah. game. Get the old eleven thirty flight. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that. But my point is team broadcaster different. And some of the team broadcasters are like super, super homers. So, and you're coming from Hawk Harrelson world where it's like he wouldn't even talk when another team would but, hit a walk-off homer against the But how good is that as, as, a, as a Yeah, as, no, a lot a of, a fan, lot of that's fans, what you want. a lot of fans love that, which is fine. But the point is, if you're a writer and you're reporting on the team, even if it's the team that you're covering, it doesn't mean that they're rooting for them. That's all. Okay. I understood. But yeah, just presenting listen, the other listen, side. When That's I was all. with the White Sox and we had Hawk and we'd lose a game badly, he'd come into the clubhouse and he wouldn't even look at you. Like you say, I made an error, struck out like the base loaded. And I've known Hawk for, for since, you know, I was in high school. So, like, he would come in and just look at you and you'd say, what's up, Hawk? And he'd just shake his head, grab his food. You let him down. Yep, like, how dare you not get that hit? Like, oh, sorry, sorry, Hawk, I'm, I, I do make mistakes. He was so disappointed in you. Oh, I, I could, man. I could tell listening to the games because one of the guys I came up with was Rios, Alex Rios uh, with the Jays. And then when he went over to the White Sox, Rios can be streaky, I think, like a lot of players. But Rios would come up to the plate, and you could tell Hawk was so pissed that he was at the plate. He wouldn't say a word the entire at-bat. Like he was just waiting for him to strike out, and then it was just then he would like join back into the broadcast. It happened a lot, and it it made me laugh every time. <laughs> yeah, and Hawk, Hawk's one of a kind. We have so. to get him on. He lives. He's right down. Oh the street. yeah, we can get him to swing by. I spoke to Hawk recently. We can name get him. drop. Uh, I spoke to Hawk recently though. Yeah, he's. I mean, still full of energy and uh, hot takes. We'll put it that way. All right, let's cover news, okay? Since we're supposed to do that at the beginning of the show, but we were so rudely interrupted by the Blue Jays manager and the best insider in the game. But anyway, let's do headliners. So 55,000 at Tokyo Dome sold out. It's freaking nuts there. Otani makes his WBC debut. Casual four scoreless, one hit, five Ks. Oh, and he hits two in case you woke up yesterday. Two for four, a double, two RBIs. 
and Japan cruised past China by a final score of eight to one. So Shohei being Shohei, oh, you can bet he's taking this thing seriously. You know, like Ken's talking about Goldschmidt and D-Row talking to the team. Hey, guys, this is not an exhibition. This is not showing up at the All-Star game and having a good time with your friends. There are other teams out there that are treating this just as big as they would be in Game 7 of the World Series. And Otani's going to be number one on that list for everything that he's done already now in Major League Baseball. And then he goes to represent his country again. I mean, he's he better be in midseason form, and he was today. Well, especially in the Tokyo Dome. That place was – I mean, that place going crazy. So I love yeah, it. Him pitching four innings, dealing, throwing 100, throwing that split, backing it up. It's kind of what we talked about with Ken a little bit, I guess. The fans in other countries have taken, they love this. Like Japan, they love it, right? Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, USA. Not that the fans aren't interested, but they are a little bit behind because also, like we've talked about on the show too, it's different cultures, different atmospheres. We're a little more reserved. You go to a Dominican game, Crash, you played there, I think, in the Winter League, but like, it is craziness, and it's it's great to see for baseball. And I wish we could somehow incorporate this into Major League Baseball games. Without a doubt. I, w- I would love to see it. You see it in other sports. You see it in soccer. You know, I think maybe other international sports. I think football football gets wild, like third down. You know, the stadiums want to get that loud. I think it can happen in baseball, and I, and I, don't, I don't have that answer, but I know it can happen because there's a lot of passion in – in the fans, it's just, you know, I think kind of gets spread out through the 162 days. I want to hit on Otani before we jump to anything else. I want to hit on the guy from from China that got the one hit off of him. You know that dude is juiced. He got a hit <laughs> off of Otani. <laughs> and, I, I mean, it's usually two for four. What's the score? That dude is riding high. And it wasn't Tommy. I don't think it was Tommy Edmond, but I didn't, I didn't do more research into it. He just... He got that one hit. Yeah, I'll get the name for you in a sec because I don't remember it and I don't want to botch it. But um, while I'm doing that, let's listen to Otani's knock. Shot to left center field. Shohei Otani off the wall. Nupar scores. Kondo rounds third and heads home. Welcome home, Shohei Otani. Chills, because we're watching it too. If you're listening to us on, on Apple or Spotify, we're watching it, and and you hear that. And great call by Stephen Nelson, but chills. I mean, awesome. And crowd, like it just goes he's the biggest. The, he's, he's the, the biggest, biggest star in in the Price country. Maybe Ichiro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. I mean, it, be, being over there, being over there, the two different times in fourteen and in nineteen when I went, that stadium we played in Tokyo in nineteen. We played all our games in Tokyo, but. It is, it's incredible how like the fans in, I would, I would call it behind home plate all the way around down first and third baseline to the home run fences. And when I say the home run fences, the guys with the people that worked out there had whistles and any ball on BP that would be going, they would, they would blow their whistle so that everybody was afraid of the ball coming. And the fans were so into it just in BP out there they're out in the they're out in the outfield just going crazy they 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 are have chance for every player they have huge banners I mean you see it on the broadcast 
people will spend the entire at bat with Otani jerseys, like holding them up in front of their face. Like, I don't know if they're hoping to get on TV, but they are like super juiced. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. I mean, it's a different vibe out there. I will say this, though. We're not completely knocking the game here. No. The, the playoffs is nuts. Of course. I mean, Philadelphia oh, sure. was, was special this San year. Diego was on- San Diego. Every, every playoff special. atmosphere is great. Yeah, but the play yes, but also the playoff atmosphere when the team hasn't been there recently or hasn't been there much, and they get a, another taste of it, like the two we mentioned here in Philadelphia and San Diego, us, us being out there. You were in San Diego. I did a lot of Philadelphia last year coverage. It's it's up there. It's awesome. Yeah. Playoffs are a different animal. Yeah. Let me get to one more because this is huge for the country. Italy beats Cuba. So Cuba fell to the Netherlands the other day. Um, 4-2. Offense didn't show up. Not a ton of offense from them again against Team Italy, and they're not full of big league pitchers. 6-3 your final. It went to extras. Three and extras for Italy. And they take down Team Cuba with the big names. Luis Robert, Jan Moncada, Cespedes. You didn't even mention who pitched for Italy. Matt Harvey. Matt, and he dealt. He did. He, of course he, dealt. he did. Yeah. Matt Harvey. Italian heritage. He said pitching for grandpa meant a ton to him. Which is, but just to hear Matt Harvey, because he just Against Joanna Cespedes in a matchup. But Matt Harvey just kind of, you know, he had some problems. Yeah. To, right? Yes. But, <laughs> like, he was so good for like those few years. And then he just, he went away and he struggled. And then he goes out and deals against Cuba. Does this mean we might see him again? This is what the Dark Knight does. He reemerges. <laughs> he does reemerge. But you talk about like him facing Cespedes. That is unbelievable. That's like every Mets fan is has to be riveted to that to see where their Mets could have been. Because Harvey was Harvey and Syndergaard. They were going to be. They were going to be the guys. They wouldn't have had to go out and get you know, the free agent signings that they had, they would have had to pay those guys, no doubt. But it it shows, I think AJ kind of hit on it before at another show about like prospects are just prospects. When guys come up to the big leagues and they start to produce, that's like, that's where the real value of players are. And this dude, he started, he started the all-star game in 2013. Like he was an absolute dude. And yes, from what you said, I think it could be, Harvey being, you know, re-emerging somewhere. Does he want to go to AAA first? Uh, that I don't know. It's not. It's definitely not the East Village if, you know, if he's going to AAA somewhere. <laughs> hey, it, it's 2015 flashback, though. Harvey and Cespedes, which is cool. I mean, it's like the recent nostalgia that Mets fans are all about watching that. And Piazza. Don't forget Piazza managing. The and Piazza Italy, managing so. with yeah. the sweet stash. So and go team Italy. Piazza that was a great win for them. Like when they show him in the dugout, his hat. He like gets the crease in his hat. Like he bends it. Yeah. To where it looks like the military. I can't do it to my foul territory hat because uh, I don't want it. But like he yeah, gets that, that perfect have crease right here. Uh-huh. The billboard style. Yeah. Like, like the guy, you know, the guy in like, your hometown that he had the hat and it says, I love bass fishing. And it never, it never moves. It's like the billboard. Yeah, but like, has that hat. So when I first came up, they used to take the hats and and like fold them. It's kind of hard to see on TV, but they like fold them and they made a crease right here. And that was Piazza. Like nobody does it anymore because it's flat brim and all that. But yeah, Piazza had the perfect crease at the front of his hat. Well, one more thing from the WBC Team USA 
playing in their first practice game against the San Francisco Giants. They lost. Miles Michaelis, uh, two runs in two and two-thirds, just getting working and all that. But I will say this, and there were, there were runs put up in that one. I think that's what you're going to see. Team USA is going to potentially have some 10-9 stubs. They're going to have to slow it. Well, I mean, Their Evan, offense is sick. Evan Gates pitched, though. He's not He's not even – I mean, he's a minor leaguer. Yeah. Right, so – No, it doesn't mean it. It's yeah. just an exhibition. We're just saying, hey, they, now they're they're playing some ball together. It's just cool even for that. I just, like, got to see some highlights and go, all right, like, you see the uniforms all together? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beyond an all-star squad, especially when you, I'm on the lineup side, I should say, not the pitching. AJ, do you think – do you really think that this pitching staff, as much as it's like, okay, we don't – have Corbin Burns, we don't have Max Scherzer. Do you think this pitching staff is really going to get like just absolutely whacked no. all around the yard? No, no, no. I don't. They're going to no. they're going to mitigate their damage. They're going to give up a run or two here or there, and in the spots. And I think that's kind of what we talked about. You know, when we when we get into Dero being the manager, how is he going to? recognize situations, okay, maybe these next two outs, we need punch outs. We got to go to maybe our three or four guys in the pen that can get us a punch out, and then we mitigate back through the lineup where we give our, our lineup a chance to, you know, maybe go hit, have two at-bats where we can score two or three runs, and then we can bring in a guy who's going to, again, mitigate that, you know, whatever lineup it's going to be. They're not facing the Dominican for six straight games. Yeah, but here's here's I agree 100%, Kratzy. But here's the, the the needle that DeRosa has to thread, right? He has to get these guys at bats, and he has to get them innings. So he can't really play it like a true regular season game. He can't say, "Oh, let, okay, let's say Wayno starts the first game, which he is against Great Britain. He gets in trouble. I need a punch out. Let me go get my punch out guy." Well, maybe it's not his day to throw, or maybe I mean I don't know the reins that has been put on him by teams or by pitchers, but. Can I okay? Let's use Kendall Graveman. Can I go bring in Kendall Graveman in the third inning, even though it's not his day to pitch? Like, are the White Sox going to be okay with that? Is Andy Pettit okay with that? Is Kendall Graveman okay with that? You, you see, like, no, every, there is a every situation that, is, is tied in with the ball club. Yeah, we even have that when I would call the futures game in the past. The teams coordinate with the league and with their players. Here's what you're doing. This guy can't go more than X amount of pitches, and they're in the middle of their season at that point. And with this, I mean, they're making sure that they're not overdoing it in spring training. So, no, that is that is part of the strategy of the WBC is that you're lining guys up. It's not the, the, the one part where it's not the playoffs is. In the playoffs, you say screw it to a lot of things, yeah. right? Screw the plans. I'm going three, four days in a row with this guy. I'm putting him in a different spot with my relievers. That's not happening in the same way in the WBC. And my thing is, yeah, for example, with the Dominican Republic, if you're playing them in, in an elimination game towards the end, Sandy Alcantara, four or five innings. How about a little Brian Abreu, uh, Rafael Montero nightmare that we saw from the World Series and from the World Series, Hector Neris, Gregory Soto. Those are swing and miss guys. Roanzi Contreras, who's got sick stuff. He's a, a Pirates pitcher. I mean, their pitching staff can absolutely keep up with, if not, overrule yeah. what Team USA has got. If you watch Japan today, I mean, Otani started. He's the headliner. But the guys they brought in out of the bullpen, the way they pitch with their their fastball combo and their splits they throw, Yeah, I mean, these guys are legit. And they they're ready. Play, they don't throw they, as hard, though. The guy today was 93-94. But the thing about Japan is they've been practicing for this. Mm-hmm. Like they, I remember when the first couple WBCs started, 
USA gets their one day together. Japan's been together for like not not Otani and not Newbar, not some of the other guys, but their main core. They play ten games together, double digit games together. So these guys are they know it's a that's a big deal. No, you're right. That matters. That's why Japan is good. I mean, that's their. Well, that, X they have factor. good players. They I have mean. good players. What I'm saying, their X factor is that they've been ready for this. Yeah, that matters. That makes a difference. Okay, let's rip through some social stuff. So we had Australia and Korea and in a WBC game, and they went to review because, oops, I stepped off the bag for five seconds, slapped that tag. Hey, that's his fault. I mean, and if you're listening right now, celebration to the dugout. The right foot hops off the bag for a second, a full second. It wasn't a tough replay review, and you're out. And, of course, social media going nuts – saying dude you got to watch yourself but also um they're like oh it's bush league to tag him no it's not it almost happened in the cuba game today too really italy cuba. there was the almost bag? another one where they the guy thought he called timeout and the third base umpire was like safe safe and then the second base umpire came and was like no i had time but he stepped off too and he was going to be out and then the third base umpire banged him so you know make sure you get make sure you get timeout Make sure you get it, and then you do whatever you want, but mm-hmm. make sure you, you don't jump off the base. And good on Australia to do it. Absolutely. Australia, they were they were clearly locked into this whole game. I mean, they, it was back and forth, back and forth, and the big, the big three-run homer by Glenn Denning. Let's get to the Dominican Republic. Well, hold on. We got to just Mark, Mark Wiener just texted. Todd Frazier, while he's on vacation, also had this happen to him in a big league game. So, Todd, <laughs> yes, if you're watching, did. what an idiot. <laughs> yes he did hey uh, clip that against- off and we'll run it back for Frage next week so he can uh, have a rebuttal to AJ when was it who was it against Kratzy the Blue Jays it was against the Blue Jays Ryan Goins tagged him I mean it was like he wasn't even really celebrating like like the guy from Korea was it was just kind of a you know my feet are moving my feet are moving I can't still I can't oh oh Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine what it was like, but hey, he's part of the show, so we'll ask him. Two more for you from WBC. Dominican Republic, stacked, stacked roster, having a good time in the dugout. I mean, it's a party there. That is that is some ball club, too. I love it. This is, this is, what, this, this is what this tournament's all about, fun. Bringing teams together, let people see personalities. Yep. Enjoy it. International baseball at its finest. And Team USA has some sweet, sweet pics and videos from their workouts because the coaching staff is also ridiculous. So, for example, you got Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, and Ken Griffey Jr. having a casual conversation, showing a picture here from our buddy JP Morosi. Griff, can I get some of them swingman shoes, Griff? Come on. <laughs> no, man. now I've got homework for you. You've got to get Jordan sent out to John Schneider. Oof. Can you do it? I mean, I can do it, but I mean, size, size 13. 13. I'm just going to have to. I, I got to get his digits life. and find out what uh, which ones he wants. You know? Yeah. Kratzy will help you. He knows he definitely, Yeah, he definitely some, wants something. He'll probably want a red pair for when they wear the Canadian, the Canada Day jersey. He'll probably want a blue pair, something that matches kind of flashy but has a nice blouse for his blouse to his bloused pants to hang over. <laughs> he's he's got it. 
He's got we'll it. Figure. He's got we'll, it going on. But I don't think Griff's sending you any any shoes. Don't don't. Well, no, he does. Me. Griff's Griff's gracious. He sends shoes. I think he's he, oh, when he goes to the sure. futures game, he gives them to to everyone. The the prospects, all of them, get hooked up. Yeah, I'm gonna, no, I'm not yeah. saying he's not gracious. I'm saying he's not sending them to AJ. That's no, AJ's fine. Way. I don't think we can fit any more memorabilia in this damn cave. Well, we, you know he what? Some first you know, when he gets back, if he doesn't send me a pair, we can just go to his house. We'll do the show live from his house. I would love that. Brent, tell him to come over. Don't talk about it. Be about it. We can ask yeah. him. When he gets back when from the WBC, we'll, we'll, we'll hit him up. That would be awesome. Maybe he can bring over one of his like 15 gold gloves. Because if you go into, <laughs> and he's got like this room with like all these trophies. And the whole wall is like gold gloves, MVPs. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. Perfect. I'll fly that. down. Exactly. Uh, lastly, before we do slap hands, Alex Bregman working on new moves in spring training, a complete bounce pass to second base to fire up a double play where he's moving from left to right and he's on the run. He said it's like the awkward, you know, soft toss or do I just – and, and and his body is is going towards the outfield, so the angle is like, hey, I've got an accurate throw if I bounce it over to second. And then of course, again, I'm looking at this on social media, and some are like, oh, that's super cool. I think it's cool. It's cool to watch if you can pull I, it I off. I think it's awesome. But some on social are like, oh, that's that's BS. Like everyone's going to be trying to do that now, kids, whatever. Okay, well, NBA players do cool shit that kids can't do. Like, are are they gonna are are youth basketball players going to try 360 dunks? No. Like, if you can do it, great. It's cool. It worked well for him. If not, that's fine. And also, if you don't bounce it, it doesn't always end up at second base either. I'm all for it. Listen, bounce they, – they tell you in basketball, bounce pass is easier for the guy to catch, right, than the, the old chess pass where you fire it. But watch him. He doesn't, get, he doesn't have to get his feet set. He throws it perfectly. Now, the one caveat is he's playing on big league fields. So, you know, a high school kid or uh, even in the minor leagues, if you're trying this and there's a little bit more of a uneven playing surface, it might not bounce right to the second baseman. But, I mean, it, he throws it per- – but he said he can throw it harder, right? So he can throw it harder into the ground and it gets there quicker than he can as he, he's all balanced. He just kind of, like, lobs it. You know, see that thrown away a lot. So this is the time to try things. And if it works, let's see Alex Bregman do this in a big league game. It's going to be cool when he does it. I agree. I got. I actually have two things on that. You said they do it in the NBA, and if anybody's ever coached youth basketball, some of those kids think they are in the NBA. They're tossing the ball across court, you know, trying to feed it through, you know, a, a little passing lane. So, yeah, I think sometimes kids, maybe not the 360 dunk, but the second part of it is Alex Bregman can do this. Whether you think it's going to work or not is not what I'm bringing up. What I think I'm, what my comment would be about it is the guy's making $20 million a year. If he makes a couple mistakes trying something, he'll be fine. He's not trying to make, he's not trying to make the team. Like he's going to be on the team. So this is the perfect time to do it. Yeah, that's fine. The running out the fly ball the other day with the O'Neill Cruz chatter, like that's way more of a no-no in my book, but social media goes the opposite way. They're like trying to crush on, on, Bregman for trying something different. And then, you know, you get the same people going, oh, it's just spring training. Like, make up your mind. Okay. Clearly, coming from someone who got in beef with some people that had no argument um, late last night on Twitter. Let's do slap hands. I don't even (laughs) want to give them attention just because they were, they were so like shockingly nonsensical. I couldn't even put it together. And I even asked one of them to, to just like call in or whatever on the show. And they were like, no, dude, like this dude doesn't even understand. So, Whatever. Kratzy knows what I'm talking about. It was a long thread going on with people that were trying to say owners aren't rich. Corbin Burns is complaining about 750K. 
absolute trash. They were trying to like give me the net worth of owners saying they're not that rich. And like, and, and then he was talking about the Max Fried case saying, oh, we won, we beat him as a Braves fan. Like, oh, you beat him? You're proud of that? And he's like, and Freed, Freed didn't say shit. Oh yeah, I'm sure he felt really great about his team absolutely roasting him. I'm so, so sorry that the players actually spoke their mind and didn't even talk about the money. They just said the arbitration case in general is weird. And any owner would tell you the same thing. They don't want to step in there and go, oh, hey, you suck. And here's why. And half the time they have to make it up like a court case anyway and go, oh, Corbin Burns, we didn't make the playoffs because of you, which no human being that pays attention in the world would ever say that that's accurate. They were so shocked on his side, they didn't even have a rebuttal because it made no sense. So they made as much sense as the people on Twitter that were getting mad about it. Not all, but a few people trying to like, basically probably cousins of, of ownership or something, trying to be like, yo, leave the owners alone. They shouldn't be fighting. The players make so much money as it is. It was, it was bad. They're not going to they're not going to start a pro owners network, let's put it that way. Oh wait. They did. <laughs> I mean, I I was looking for a soapbox here for Scott cuz I mean, man, I felt bad for him right there. It was embarrassing was the shit that was being right the that shit was that preaching. was being put out there was so embarrassing and and it's like the classic like I'm pretty I'm a pretty nice dude, pretty friendly, so I'm like Hey, like, you know, I'm offering just like a friendly debate rebuttal. And they're like, this dude doesn't even do his homework. Like, they didn't answer the question. They're just like, can't even talk to this guy. Doesn't do his homework. And then finished with, which I eventually had to stop, said to go to bed. And my thing was, you're, you're firing off 20 replies to me. Like, dude, can you just come on the show? I'll bring you yeah, on the show that has superstars every day for two minutes to actually talk at the point. Because I can't spend all night replying to one human being on Twitter that's not making any sense to the rest of the world. And instead, okay. they're like desperate must must have no guests on their show because clearly they're not watching i'm like oh yeah I, again no response i just i'm like all right gave him the shot i just ended it with like friendly invite thanks like there's nothing else to do are you done do you want me to be done no because it, you're you're doing your rant which i love because i love when people just go off on rants it's great but i just keep looking at the plant and thinking it's growing on me because <laughs> i just keep seeing the plant. i'm like the plant is kind of grow. i like it I, I like it. It looks good. I, we, you need know, more, I we, need, it. we need more one shots for sure with that plant. Yes. Like I, at first I was like, I don't know, but now it's it, after that rant and what you just did, the, the, the plant has grown on me. Tune in tomorrow, Friday on foul territory where that plant will be featured the entire show because AJ won't be here. So it's going to be this all day long. Last thing I'll say about the rant was I was thinking about this. Remember that San Diego union tribune article or the op-ed where the person was like, I can't watch baseball because the players make too much money. I think I know who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to send him the article, but I was like, eh, I'm worried about my safety at this point. This person's off the rock. Get them on here. Like that. Get, get this person They won't. They're scared. That's uh, how Twitter works, dude. Twitter muscles. Literally, they don't even debate you. Some of the people. M many people are actually great. I have a lot of friendly conversations in debate. But when you're just not even answering anybody's reply and you're just saying, this dude doesn't do his homework doesn't realize that owners aren't that rich. I'm like, uh, sorry, I got to go throw up. Let's do slap hands, <laughs> shall we? Happy birthday, CJ Nitkowski, Aaron Boone, who I think will get on the show pretty soon. Our military base of the day, Naval Communications Station, Harold E. Holt. That's a joint Australian and United States Naval Communications Station on the northwest coast of Australia. Either of you been to Australia, by the way? You have, Of course you have. I have. I'm jealous. I really want to go out there. Okay. Well, I don't know if we have time for this, but so I went to Australia. I always wanted to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. We go to Australia a couple of years ago, a couple of New Year's ago. And I'm like, I can't wait to go in the Great Barrier Reef. 
Like, I can't wait to go swim on the Great Barrier Reef. The most, and I'm sorry, this is it kills me to say, the wor- one of the worst things I ever did, because we go to the beach. I, I live in Florida, so I'm used to going to the beach. You go in the water. You say, all right, man, I'm going to go out and swim, you know, whatever. You're not really worried about it. But you can't even go in the beach. You can't go in the water because there's crocodiles, there's sharks, and there was jellyfish that so? sting you and kill you. So? So you can't go in the water. So you what's won't the point go in going the water in? just because of sharks, jellyfish, or crocodiles? Crocodiles? They're like, you can't go in the water because a crocodile will come up guy? and eat you. <laughs> and then a jellyfish. So you go out in the Great Bear Reef, you have to put a full body lycra bodysuit on so the jellyfish don't sting you and kill you. Wait, but you went in. Of course I went in. Oh, so. There's no crocodiles in the Great Barrier Reef, but on, I'm talking about on the beach itself. The Great Barrier Reef is incredible. Yeah. But the beach there, you can't go in. They have to put these big nets around. You can only swim where there's nets because of the jellyfish and the crocodiles. I didn't know there's crocodiles in there. Yes. they like, you don't walk on the beach at night because a crocodile will come out of the water and get you. And eat you. Yeah. And I ain't scared of alligators. We got them everywhere. Yeah. I'm not afraid crocodiles, of them. Different crocodiles, different story, different though. animal. Yeah, Obviously. look up crocodiles. I'm not fucking with the crocodile. Um, yeah. All right, Kratzy, you take over. What's the Kratz hats of the day? Our minor oh, yeah. league well, report. Yeah, I kind of already already said it was Schneid on. So Schneid went. This is the Auburn Double Days. One of the one of the uh, let's see, a short season. The New York Penn League. This team, when I played on this team, Schneid played the year before me, so he would have played 2002. I went to rookie ball, and then the next year, 2003, I went back to Auburn, but or I went to Auburn for my shot at Auburn, but that team, we were the best, statistically the best team ever in professional baseball. We never lost. We lost like 15 or 16 games that year, and then we got bounced in the first round of the playoffs by Ooh. the Williamsport Crosscutters. I mean, we had – in our on the team, we had Sean Markham. We had Aaron Hill. I don't think Russ Adams was on that team that year. We had Ryan Roberts. Remember Tatman from Oh yeah. From yeah. the Diamondbacks. Um and I'm forgetting people. And and the one guy that never even made the big league won the triple crown that year, Vito Chiravalotti. Vito Chiravolotti. He's pro- he should still be playing for Team Italy, but he's like <laughs> teaching swimming or something. He's a swim coach, but Nice. It was a baller team. That was kind of a that was kind of a like you know Kratz says on Twitter humble brag or whatever he says you know name like, dropping. That was a lot of name. Dropping. I mean, I I Kratz think off. even Sean Markham and Aaron Hill would say you're not name dropping me <laughs> compared they were to my uh, teammates. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, compared I mean, to AJ texting Guy Fieri, chilling at Ken Griffey Jr.'s house, it's a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> so I, I just say I, I'll take your 2002 double dayers. And I'll take our 2000 Salt Lake Buzz and throw them up there, and I'll, I'll I think we'll. T- but we're, we'll get into this another day. We have a we have as as uh, Scotty's uh, Twitter followers say, we have no guests on. We'll get into it one day. We'll have no guests on, no guests at all. We have nobody. No. Uh, do you want to show this clip real, real fast before for minor league purposes? Alan uh, Cordoba, Panama outfielder, eight seasons in the minors. Ball lost in the sun and left. Oh, we're hearing it now. Valentin Steven around, and he's out at the plate. Oh, what a throw from Alan Cordoba. Lost a flare down the left field line in the sun. Is still able to recover in time to put an absolute rope into the glove of Christian Bethacourt, who slaps the tag on Vladimir Valentin. Well, great hair. 
The third base coach was unbelievable because he hit full panic mode when he realized the ball dropped. He's the guy and he's running by him. Valentin's running by him. And then three, how do you say Panama? Panama. 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 Yeah. Have you ever heard the Van Why are you Panama. For the guy that just said Carlos Rond- Rondon or something. Well, Rondon today. I was thinking about Brian Hoke, so I apologize. <laughs> Carlos, I apologize. Panama. Yeah. Better? Have you ever heard the Van Halen song? Panama. It's not uh, Panama. Yes, Panama. Yeah, Van so Halen not Panama. Van Halen and AJ Pruszynski are giving us English, English questions. That the, my <laughs> favorite part, besides besides Cardona's House Valerian hair, is the tag by Bentoncourt was awesome. But my favorite part on the replay, if you watch it from the, I guess it's like the low home angle, the Netherlands third base coach is standing there just like watching it fall, and then you see him like. Freak out. It won't you won't see it here. He just like watched him fall. Obviously, he thinks he's gonna catch it, but he he like freaks out and Valentine's already by him. Vladimir was already go watch him. Ah, go! Ah, okay, okay, go, 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 go. Yeah, that was what I was saying. Full panic set in for the third base coach right there. He's like, oh gosh, he dropped it. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant I thought you meant the 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 left fielder. No, I was panic. talking about the third base yeah, coach. Third he's base like coach. Ah! We need a third base coach, Cam. Also, I thought AJ was going to be like, oh, I texted, you know, with some, with my rock star friends, and they said it's Panama. No, <laughs> I'm not name dropping anymore because I've already yes, been you in are. trouble. Yes, you have already done. You, you average two and a half a day, and I love it. Zero. As the kids say, it. that's cap. But what I think is funny <laughs> is when AJ, brought, when AJ makes fun of Scotty, and Scotty makes fun of AJ, Uh-oh. a change in your voice. Am I, am I breaking up? Wait, what? There's a change in your voice. Actually, good timing, at least, for Kratzy's. I can't hear him. Kratzy's internet to kind of get a little hiccupy. <laughs> Kratzy, pay your internet bill Please. so that we can come back with you on Friday. No AJ Friday. Oh. Adam Jones, WBC legend, will give us more on the tournament and the speech that he delivered that led to a title. All on FT on a Friday. See you then. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.